This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2 0 and he's. What a World Cup for Megan Rapino! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapino's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. The Detroit Pistons select Sekou Dubuya. The boy gets run off the line. Down the lane. My goodness. Look at that. Pistons come right back at him with a bruise. Oh, oh, oh. Jam. Dishes to Luke for the long gun. It goes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pistons versus Everybody, the Detroit Pistons podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, and tonight I'm joined by The Athletic's Dave Dufour. What's up, Dave? Uh, not a whole lot, man. Just uh, we're, we're going to do this thing where we pretend like we didn't just talk for 20 minutes, and I and I call it out every right. time. Um, <laughs> not a whole lot, man. Just uh, you know, doing a lot of potting, getting ready for the comeback. So, so how did you find to do like six podcasts and watch Hamilton? I haven't watched Hamilton. You oh okay. I gotta so I'm tell not you, be the dude. No, no, no. Here's the deal. So uh, last night, I had wrapped up for the night. I was like, "All right, let me. I'll watch Hamilton. I'll do it." Turned on Disney Plus, saw 18 other movies that I've already watched 8,000 times, and was like, "Nah, no, nah, Hamilton will. It'll wait." And just watched Star it'll Wars. Keep- yeah, I, man, I am so not excited to watch this at all. It just every time I see a clip like on Twitter, there was something where he talked about how he wrote some song and, you know, was pulling from like Biggie and all these other sources. And someone posted it and was like, oh, this is amazing. Wow. So I watched it. I was like, God, this just makes me want to watch Hamilton less. It's <laughs> awful. So. I am not a musical guy. I love musical. My wife is like, you you have to sit down and watch this or else I'm leaving you. And I was like, no. all right, fine. Like, I, I love think that's musicals. an appropriate level of response. It's like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a good musical. Okay. But like every musical in my mind would be better as a six hour miniseries. So there's that. Oh, I don't know if we agree there, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I chalk it up to a few things, but I just um, that guy's just so corny. So. I just can't Musicals imagine. Musicals are corny. All right. I, we, we, we could talk like about Donald this Glover. Later, like I'm not uh, Donald Glover's in something. I'm just like, eh. he was, it was, and I heard Atlanta. Surprising. I heard he was good. I heard yeah, Atlanta's, Atlanta's really, good. really good. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll but watch like other corny. stuff. Yeah. 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 Michael B. Jordan. Kind of like that. I think the best you, thing you he's don't done, like Michael B. Jordan. No, nah, man. Wallace was his best, his best role. You didn't like Fruitvale Station? I didn't watch it because I don't like oh, Michael yeah, B. Jordan. Yeah. 
he no he inhabited the guy he acted his face off that's great you gotta watch that i'll never know i'll never know because i just don't watch i like i love the rocky movies can't bring myself to watch creed because just don't mess with michael b jordan (laughs) that's fair I guess that's I, I'll probably see it at some <laughs> point, right? Like it's, it's just one of those things. Like I assume at some point I will just say, all right, let me just watch it. Let me give it a chance. Cause I don't feel as viscerally about Michael B. Jordan as I do about Hamilton. Okay. I was about to Hamilton, say, they, there is that you just, you, if you queue up Disney plus, right. But Hamilton Star gives Wars me the last a Jedi really again. hard, a really hard reaction. Um, it, it is an investment. That's like yeah. a solid two and a half hour investment. Yeah. And yeah. like, yeah, uh, we can't talk about Return of the Skywalkers. Oh, so man. bad. God. <laughs> Is this a basketball uh, podcast or? Uh... <laughs> I mean, I did bring you on to talk about talk the athletic Pistons? piece. Yeah, yeah. But like, we, I'll we talk about no, other stuff. No. It's your podcast. Yeah. No. How did, how did the idea for the delete eight series like come together? Um, well, Seth and I, we, we've, we had talked a lot about, trying to write together. And we wrote that piece on the triangle. I don't know if you remember that. Um, I think it was like January or February and it went well and we had fun. And so he had this idea of doing the outlook series as teams were being eliminated from the playoffs, which under normal circumstances would have spaced everything out fairly nicely. And, you know, the workflow would have been pretty simple. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, everything stops. And so we put everything on hold because we don't, you know, we don't have any idea if the season's going to resume or, you know, how they're going to resume it. Um, and once we kind of got an idea of, of this comeback plan, we were like, okay, so we now have the eight teams that we know we can do. Let's go ahead and do those. And then Hollinger, I think, came up with delete eight. I'm not, I'm not sure. That's what Seth told me. Um, the delete eight outlook series was, was birthed there. Um, once I we thought knew what the delete was. eight was a Fred Katz special. It it's, it's somebody at the athletic. It was Katz yeah, or it yeah. was Hollinger. It was one of the two. So maybe okay. it was Katz. It sounds like a Katz thing too. Is right. Like, like, like that definitely sounds like a they're, Katz thing. They're both pretty good with that stuff though. So really? Yeah. Kat, I mean, yeah. Hol- yeah. Hollinger got some zingers. See, yeah. Hollinger. I haven't seen much of Hollinger like since he returned into the world of media. Yeah. But uh, from what I have seen, like he's very dry. And so I, oh, I can, man, I can no, buy no. that. Yeah. He's so, yeah, he's so funny. Um, yeah. I didn't know, like I, I wasn't on Twitter back in the day. Um, and so mm-hmm. I was, smart move. Unaw- smart move. <laughs> yeah. Um, not, not a huge fan of the internet <laughs> uh, for <laughs> someone that works on the internet. Um, I, I was told about his Twitter account when he, when he came back, I was told like someone, someone said to me, I'm very excited for Twitter Hollinger to come back. And I was like, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then I got this whole thing where, you know, like a primer on what to expect. And yeah, Hollinger's pretty good, pretty good at Twitter. <laughs> that pretty is, good at writing that too. Is. I mean, I mean, he's got a good basketball mind. Mm-hmm. The reason he worked for a team for 10 years. No yeah. big deal. Invented big PER. Yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I mean, you've done some stuff too, though. Your background's in coaching. And so I wanted to like start with like actual Pistons talk about like 
a coaching question. What? Well, so that was sort of the angle, right? Like, I, I don't know if you, right. I don't know if you picked up on it, but it was like, you know, Danny set the the sort of scene for here's what the front office is looking at. Seth looks at the metrics, and I was trying to stick to what was happening on the court. But with so many of these teams, there were there were injury issues. I mean, you know, not having Blake Griffin. Um, they, they barely had Reggie Jackson when he was on the roster. Like there was just so many weird things. It gets difficult to sort of judge what's happening. So you have to like judge on the margins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so I was going to ask you though, like Dwayne Casey is an amazing like human being. And I'm very glad from like a, like a, this era perspective that like Dwayne Casey is the coach of the Detroit Pistons. But from a tactical standpoint and like from a playing time standpoint, there were a lot of like open questions about Dwayne Casey that Pistons Mm -hmm. fans had this season. And so I was just going to ask, like, did you think Dwayne Casey is the good is a good coach for the restoration that Troy Weaver has promised? Well, okay, so there there's this is like a multi part question here because, yeah, there's more to it. First of all, he's older, you know, he's 63. That is what people look at first when they start thinking about a rebuild. They just automatically think, you know what? Let's get the young coach in there. They'll be more fired up for development or whatever. I'd take Dwayne Casey. And not only like not only is he a really good human being, he's a great coach. He's a very good coach. I mean, you don't win as many games as he has without being a good coach in the NBA. And it's not like he had, I mean, you know, those Toronto teams were good. They weren't elite. And he, he went, what, 48, 49, 50 games almost every season. Had to, uh, his coach of the year season where they almost won 60. That's impressive. Like He's got a good track record. Well-respected. You know he can build a culture. You know he can oversee development because he did do that in Toronto. Guys got better under his watch. You know, and over multiple regimes. So I think that for for Pistons fans, they should want this team to keep Casey. They they should yeah. want to keep Casey. Now, if you want to argue the X and O stuff, there's certainly is there are issues. There were issues in in Toronto as well. That's for the front office and Casey to sort of come to some alignment on. Because you want to have something that maximizes the players that are on the roster to make them competitive while also fostering a development environment. that That's sort of the, the path Casey needs to be on. And if the front office doesn't think that what he's doing currently on the court accomplishes that goal, they need to bridge the gap. Okay. Okay. Was that no, I mean, succinct that, I mean, enough? I, no, that I was like – I, I know I got a little – good. Long-winded. That was good. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking like the, it makes a lot of sense in the context of last year too because last year the goal – for the season at the beginning was not necessarily player development that became the goal later in the year. And so you understand why, you know, tactically from an X is nose perspective there, uh, like there's not an emphasis on like seeing what Seku Dumbuya has as a ball handler. Right. right? Or, mm-hmm. uh, or like figuring out like just how many threes off motion we should make Sfima Kyler be taking. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but like when, you lose 12 of 13 games and you lose all you trade Andre Drummond and you uh, let Reggie Jackson and Marquise Morris go and Blake's shut down for the year. Like I, 
I was fully expecting like a, a turn to the rebuild and like, nope, Casey just like kept playing Derrick Rose like 35 minutes a night and like trying to compete. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so that was, that was a little bit questionable. And so I, I do kind of wonder mm-hmm. if at this age, at this time, in this point in his career, Casey like wants to do another rebuild. And I think we got a clearer sense of that this off season. And I think he does, but it's just like, it was hard for him to make that mental adjustment like mid season, you know, sports are coming back. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than with our exclusive partners, bet online, get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight, or check out odds on NASCAR formula one and the premier league. Can't wait for your team to come back. BetOnline has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit BetOnline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Well, no, like I was, I was just saying though, that like Casey, I didn't know if Casey wanted to be here. I didn't know if like at 63, he was ready for a rebuild. And I think that like not having to make the compete to uh rebuild adjustment, like midway through the year mentally will be better for him from a like player development, individual game to game perspective. Probably. Um, yeah. You know, but also, I mean, I think he's got a couple years left on his contract. Um, you know, who knows if he wants to coach after he leaves Detroit, you know, I mean, he's getting up there a little bit and, um, not everybody wants to coach till they're 80. Um, so I think as long as him in the front office get along fine and, and everybody's on the same page, I, I think the Pistons should be happy if he wants to stay. He's a really great coach and, you know, like building that locker room for those young guys. I mean, that's, that's going to be an extremely important job. And would you want to hand it to someone who's cheap with a development background, but you don't know what kind of culture they can build or a guy who's got a track record? I'd rather do the track record. No, that's a good point. And like the, the contract is definitely a factor. I think he has three more years left on this. Yeah. I mean, and that's guaranteed money, man. So like, why as, as the coach himself, why would I want to give up that money? Especially if, as long as I'm happy coaching, you know, I'd rather be on the sideline and lose than not be on the sideline. That's and you never know when you're going to get back in. That's right. I mean, you know, I I say that as someone entering his third season without a, without a coaching job after, you know, coaching for eight years straight. So hire Dave, somebody. Yeah. Some random high school (laughs) in North Texas. In North Texas. Yeah. 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 So what did, what did you think of, the Troy Weaver higher then. Cause like, that's the connection that needs to be made between, you know, the coaching floor and the front office. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I'm a big fan of Troy Weaver. I like a lot of what I've like heard mm-hmm. from uh, people around Troy Weaver, mm-hmm. but there's been, we don't really hear a lot like from Troy Weaver directly. He kind of operates a little like out of the shadows. And so I'm a little bit mm-hmm. curious as to what like you've heard about. I Troy. mean, you're saying like, he's like lasagna. Um, he, uh, I mean, uh, well-regarded, everybody thinks very highly of him. I mean, he's obviously yeah. got the basketball chops. Um, he knows what he's, knows what he's talking about. And, 
you know, you don't become, you don't get to his position in the NBA if you don't know what you're doing, right? Like relationships get you to a certain point. Uh, but if you don't know what you're doing, you're not getting that opportunity. So uh, clearly he's good enough to be there. So I, I'm really curious to see what he does, how much of that OKC uh, Sam Presti DNA carries over to what the Pistons are doing. If there's a lot of that, expect to to try to bottom out. Yeah, I uh, I hate I, I hate think, to tell you that. No, but, no, I mean my after the last decade of Pistons basketball, like I think we're all kind of collectively ready for a bottoming out. I mean, the fans are could, for sure. I mean, this team, the Pistons haven't had a real real talent since what oh five. Oh eight oh, was eight. the okay. last playoff year. That was the year they. That was the year. That was the Weber year. That was the year they got their butts handed to them by the like up and coming Celtics. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Chauncey got traded in like within like the first five games of oh nine, and that was that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes you have it's to been bottom a while. Out. It's, I mean, <laughs> listen, uh, the the Rockets never had to bottom bottom out. You know, they were able to stay in the middle and, and, and come back. But a lot of that is, you know, having a savvy GM who can take advantage of the situation. But they were able to get assets and flip assets. And, you know, they did all these all these things to put themselves in position to make trades for, you know, Dwight Howard, make trades for uh, James Harden. You know, they were able to do these things. Actually, they signed Dwight Howard, right? They didn't trade for him. Uh, but they got James Harden. So they could sign Dwight Howard. Um, and so there is a way to do it from the middle or from purgatory, like the Pistons are in. It's just really hard. And, you know, you got to spend money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and another team that gets talked about a little bit less that hasn't quite had the playoff success of the Rockets would be like the Pacers, right? Like the Pacers have yeah. built from the middle for like 25 years Mm -hmm. essentially and they've done it on the back of the draft right like they drafted danny granger they drafted paul george they got uh george hill in that draft they did trade for Kawhi leonard we're not going to talk about that too much you know they they drafted hibbert right like Mm -hmm. and they turned when it became uh inevitable that that the paul george situation wasn't going to work they turned him into like young guys that are they turned him into two all-stars right it's like you you need a little luck and yeah. but you also like need to know what you're doing right and i have i have a lot of you you put it very well that you don't get to the level that troy weaver mm-hmm. is at without knowing what you're doing especially as a guy who didn't play in the nba right didn't you know wasn't he was an assistant coach he uh, went the hard route at syracuse but like yeah. yeah the hard route like through the dc aau circuit right like it it wasn't like his his dad wasn't a you know in the league and his gm right. or a scout you know it, yeah he went the hard route i'm telling you man you just don't get there especially that way unless you know what you're doing and so i, I would just say you know you give give them a few years and let's see what it looks like this is a team that you know you, you got one asset and you got to re-sign that asset that's the one <laughs> yeah so well you got to re-sign huh, that okay guy. I, no that, that takes me to, that takes me into my next thing though like do okay. Do you think the Pistons should try to be build a heliocentric team, right? Like I mean, that is that's the thing, who? right? 
Well, like, no, you're trying you're trying to find the guy oh, first. See, there, there's the that's the rub. Yeah, those guys find you. Well, you can you can draft for those guys, but and hope but, they hit. Okay, but would you would you draft a guy who could be heliocentric, but has three quarters the talent of the best player available? Right. No, you take the best player available. Okay, that's the safe bet. Who knows if the heliocentric guy ever pans out? Maybe, maybe unless you it's define, Luka, can you unless it's Luka Doncic, unless it's and everybody Trey knows Young. he's right. And so, like, like this thing where you just say, "Well, we're gonna find in the draft a guy who's gonna be heliocentric." What if there's no guy for like six years? Okay, so actually, we should slow down and define heliocentric for people who oh, might yeah. not know. Seth Partnow, my partner on Nerder, she wrote, uh, defines heliocentric offense exactly the way it sounds. The offense revolves around one star. So Luca, Trey Young, LeBron, James Harden, Giannis. Those are heliocentric offenses. Yeah. And the Pistons currently don't have anyone all who projects to be on the roster in 2022 who you can say that about. Right. Which is part of the problem. (laughs) Well, but but there are more ways to to run an offense than just heliocentric. And so if you right. don't have that that sun to revolve your offense around, you have to actually run a regular offense, which is fine. Spread, pick, and roll. Uh, you know, you can run a motion offense. The Spurs do that, right? Like, there's a lot of stuff you can do. You can run flex, which is a lot of what Boston runs. Or, you know. You do it the old school way and run that high pick and roll and, and hope everything works out. You also don't yeah. have the shooters. <laughs> so, you know, that's an issue. You don't have okay. a lead ball handler. I mean, I guess Luke Luke was okay in that role. Like he did show a little bit, but he can't stay on the court. So what do you think they should be prioritizing? Best player first? available. Best in the draft? Not, no, not, not from not from a draft perspective, oh. just like <laughs> From a Everything? from a roster construction perspective, yeah, like what do you what do you get available, first? <laughs> best players they could find under the age of you know twenty four twenty five. Okay, no, yeah, that works. And you know, that, that fits, if, if you can trade, if some team decides they want Blake, get the best young player you can get, preferably under contract. That's the goal for, for this team. Yeah, yeah. The hope being, three or four years down the line, you're ready to actually be a real competitor. So I wanted so like with that in mind, I wanted to challenge you a little bit about the like five paragraph discussion around a Karis Levert trade. <laughs> like I like Karis a lot, uh-huh. but like he's a little bit like ahead of what you would expect the timeline would be in sure. in a framework where you're trading like a Luke Kennard for Karis Levert. I can like very easily see the owner being like, "Hey, like Derek Rose, Karis Levert, Blake Griffin, and Christian Wood, like we're gonna try for the eight seed again, right?" And, and yeah, and so you know, I didn't. It's like I didn't. I didn't think that was the. If you're going to like use the cap space as an asset or sure. use the cap space to collect assets, like I didn't know if a young player at the that's that's as established and is at that's has the contract that Karis Levert does would be like the right choice. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. He's a little bit older than people think. He'll be 26. I think in August, I think 
Right. Might have gotten that exactly right. Um, yeah. Oh, wait. I actually wrote that. Uh, <laughs> and I said that. <laughs> I worry about him turning 26 in August. That's exactly what I wrote. Um, but at the same time, getting good players on the court can elevate your young guys too. And I don't think Karis LeVert is enough to get you out of a rebuild. But it certainly gives you a jump start on your rebuild, especially if you re-sign Christian Wood. Well, now you're only maybe one or two little pieces away from being competitive. That's where I am with Levert. If you could get Karis Levert, that's a good move. It it does shorten your rebuild. Yeah. No, there, I mean, there's, I, my, there's I, you my would, argument for it. Also, in a in a vacuum, you would rather have Karis Levert than not have Karis Levert. Right. But it feels like the type of shortcut that this team has taken in the past mm-hmm. and because he's uh, not a franchise cornerstone right 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 and so if you're going like you know hall of famer or bust and that's your draft strategy um you have to process like you have to go full on we're going to get the number one number two or number three pick every year for four or five years yeah, or even even just one or even just one or two years, I would be. I, this right, team is drafted, I think, like eighth it's for a, like it's a crap forever. Shoot. It's a crapshoot. I mean, yeah. how much? How many people have to say this year's a down draft? Well, what if and you get how, the number and one how pick good does year? next year's draft have to like continue to look? Exactly. So, yeah. like, do you want the number one draft pick this year? Not really. No. Right. Right. Because you don't. You have to pay them number one draft pick money. So this is why, like, I'm not all in on tanking. I understand that it is the smart move and the fastest way to get to a rebuild. But it it takes out so much of the, like, front office skill because it's so reliant on luck. Yeah. I mean, if you get, no, the, second, I, I agree. If you get the second pick in a, in a one-player draft, think about Anthony Davis. Who was the number two pick in that draft? MKG. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even and you know, then the rules are different now, right? Like you think about Phoenix last year, won 19 games, I think, and they picked sixth. Like yeah. that, that's impossibly rough. Yeah. Like I, I can't it's like, yeah. So they haven't solved um, tanking, but they definitely made it harder. Yes. Well, and and I think they definitely like instructed teams, like, hey, like if like you, you need to be competitive night in, night out. Like we're not going to stand for this from a league like competitiveness perspective. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, all right. I liked I liked Danny's suggestion of front loading the Christian Wood contract. Mm-hmm. Um, I Smart. liked. Yeah, I liked. Uh, John Hollinger had a piece with James Edwards the third, our our beat writer, uh, a little bit earlier this week about how you needed to make sure and one of the elements of that piece was that making sure that Christian Wood could be tradable on whatever contract exactly. you sign him on um but how 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 bad is it for the rebuild if you can't retain a 24-year-old uh you know 20 point per game scorer who you picked up off the scrap heap I mean right it's it's a, certainly a, a setback um but at the same time you, you're only losing that player, if that makes sense. It's not like you lost a draft pick with him. You know, it, it is contained to that one thing. But it's a setback because Christian Wood looks like, you know, one of the pieces of a rebuild. Whether he's a 
one of the players featured in that rebuild or an asset that gets you closer to one of those players. Um, but you know, you're losing a legitimate asset and, and he's going to have suitors. So um, clearly has some value around the league. So it's a setback. It doesn't, doesn't like start you from scratch. I mean, you're already at scratch anyway. How good did you think Christian Wood last was last year? I thought he was really good. Um, I, I think I pointed this out in the piece. He, um, he was like 22 and 10 per 36. And he maintained that with an increase in load and usage. So, I mean, when he was in there starting after the Drummond trade, he was like 22 and six or 22 and 10. Sorry. Um, that's pretty impressive, especially for a big, uh, but I thought he was good. I thought, I mean, offense, obviously he's, he's very gifted, uh, but his defense looked improved over what I'd seen from him in the past. No, definitely. I, I wondered like his natural position appears to be like four, like 4.5. Sure. But four, yeah. he's a small, so, four. I mean, a, yeah. a small five. Yeah. Yeah. He's a skinny five. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wondered about like, if you have to start him and Blake, like what does that look like defensively, especially as we don't know, like what Blake's mobility will look like when he comes back. Uh, and so I wondered how, how that would, that would kind of play out. But I mean, that's not like a big enough concern to not resign him. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no, no. Uh, whatever's happening with Blake should not affect whether you bring back Christian Wood. Um, yeah. You know, I, I would guess because of Blake's ability to shoot the three and to pass and operate from the wing, like he's going to be the offensive four. I mean, probably would be their nominal point guard down there, I imagine. Uh, defensively, I'd probably slide him to the five just to avoid him having to switch out on the perimeter too often. You know, and, and he can hold up. There's not a lot of guys that are that big that are going to punish him. You probably have to figure something out when they have to play like Philadelphia, but the rest of the league, you're, you know, like he can guard Andrew Tice. No problem. He's bigger than he is. So that's what I would do is Blake's going to be the five. I mean, you're still not going to be good enough to win a bunch of games, so it won't really matter. Yeah. Go and have fun. I'm just, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just worried about, uh, like, hmm. What defense. are you worried about? Tell me. Uh, defense, defense. defense always concerns oh, me. Your defense is not going to be good. Your defense is going to be awful. As a matter of fact, it's going to be terrible. But that doesn't matter. Like whoever's out there, I, I, you don't have like a player on your roster. Bobby Brown can can play some D. There's not anybody else that I really trust. Now Seku showed some flashes, but yeah, you don't. You can't trust them yet. Seku, I'm watching, so I'm going back and watching like G League games mm-hmm. to get a better sense of like where Seku began and ended the year. Just because mm-hmm. like he got, he obviously got more minutes in the G League. He had the ball more, he scored more, showed off what he could do a little bit more. And like even in the G League, there's times where like he just like doesn't know where he is on defense. And I'm like, Ugh. yeah, I know, and I know how much Dwayne Casey cares about that stuff. And so like when I see that, I'm like more understanding of why, um, Seku like wasn't necessarily getting the minutes fans thought he should, even as the team was losing like 12 out of 13 games. Yeah. Yeah. The defense is bad. Yeah. But he's he's 19. Right. He, he shows flashes of some defensive playmaking though. Some of the blocks that he made this year, some of the steals he got, I think that they're, 
there's clearly something there. Let's see if he can, you know, actually figure it out. I mean, it's always the question with young players, right? Like, is this guy going to figure out these couple things that is going to turn him into a really good player? Seku's yeah. just like that. Yeah. What do you, what do you think those things are for Seku offensively? The things that will make him a really good I mean, player. Be able to shoot would be great. <laughs> like at all. Um, you know, I, I think that they just stick him in one spot too much. Yeah. I'd yeah. love to see them figure out a way to get him moving, whether that's as a screener hanging out in the dunker spot, um, you know, just anything, even like giving DHOs coming off DHOs, just figure out a way to get him moving so he can kind of get downhill and make plays. Cause I do think he's got, there's some playmaking in there, uh, but it just needs to, he, you know, it needs to be fostered. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see his handle improve enough to be able to do some initiating like that, but uh, that's asking a lot. Yeah. That that's the thing for me is the handle. Like when the obvious, like people make the Pascal Siakam comparisons all the time. Like, and that's unfair. Yeah. It's a little unfair. And like, sorry, go ahead. I I mean, this is, it's one of these things. It's like, Oh, he looked, he looks like him. Uh huh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like pretty lazy, but also started playing basketball late. Yeah. And Pascal's like Pascal's development curve. Like you, no, don't like you can't replicate that no. like you can't expect like someone else is going to come along and like like improve by 80 percent year right. over year just for five straight years similar just because they had a similar um you know started late look alike all these other things doesn't mean that they're going to have the same learning curve it's right. just expectation of giant leaps in any player make no sense but yeah. in particular, that kind of leap. Like the difference between Seku and even Pascal when he first got in the league is a lot. Man, yeah. I was like, I was watching Pascal earlier this week, and yeah. I was just like, like, and I don't watch a lot of Raptors games. Like, I have no reason to. It's just like, wow, he's this dude's really good. I didn't realize he was this yeah, good. He's good. I had people um, last summer questioning whether or not he could do anything, you know, as the lead initiator off the dribble. And I was like, I mean, he he's got more shake than than I think we we had any idea of, and still probably haven't seen all of it. Um, but his handle is is solid. He keeps it in close to his body, and he's but he's so long, so he can actually like cover a lot of space, especially if, like hitting guys from the wing. Really good player. Yeah, and like Seku Seku needs to improve the handle in order to come close to begin to emulate that kind of stuff. Um. And I do, I agree that like he, he needs to move around a little bit more. You, and like, that was one of his strengths coming into the year. Like mm-hmm. you, you saw him move off ball and like, that's how he was having success earlier in the year. And then, you know, as the point guard situation kind of t- deteriorated, um, you would see guys hit him like less and less on those cuts and eventually yeah. he just like stop making them. Right. And so like, that's a mentality thing too. Like you gotta, like, you gotta well, tell scheme. guys like, and scheme. Yeah. Yeah. They, that that can be that can be coached, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he has to be receptive to it. Yeah. Yeah, everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, I mean, I'd like to see I'd like to see him get a chance to to make mistakes with the ball in his hands. Yeah, me um, too. That's the big thing. Is just if it's a development year, actually use it as a development year. Get him out there twenty four or so minutes a night 
you know, if he can, if he can hang up and, you know, it'd be, it'd be really interesting to see what happens. Like, I mean, clearly a lot of the tools are there. I mean, you know, the way he would dunk on guys is just kind of like eye opening. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see him get a shot. I'd like to see all these young guys be able to be healthy and play next year. How afraid should I be that Seku's not going to play organized five on five basketball for like eight months? I think they're going to figure something out. I think they're going to do a mini camp or something, but still not playing in any games. And, and that's no good. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's unprecedented. Think about mm-hmm. all that. Like, I was thinking about this earlier. Think about the high school seniors, uh, college incoming college freshmen and oh, yeah. incoming NBA draft class. Well, like think about the like G league select guys, oh, right? Yeah. Like, is there going to be a G league season next year? Would it make sense to have a G league it's season a, next year? It's a good question. Yeah, man, we're, all right, we're getting in, into the weeds here, but <laughs> in general, no. yes, we should all be very worried about the pause. Yeah. No, it's it's just like he's in France right now. Like you see his Instagram and like he's like working out and stuff in France. Yeah, I saw. And, and like that's cool, but it's like actually like at this point, like send the whole team to France. Like France is safer. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Do some OTAs in France. God. <laughs> uh, all right. So there was an uncomfortable amount of James Wiseman talk in the piece. <laughs> like I just. We just like lost Andre Drummond and you want to replace him with like this other like center who does a lot of the same things, but is younger and worse. And we already saw that that doesn't necessarily like be conducive to winning. It's like, it's really hard for me to imagine a situation in which like Wiseman is BPA. So I found it like weird that you guys discussed him so much. Well, you'll notice I sat out the Wiseman discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, personally, no, I, I would not, I probably would not bet on a big, um, I think if you're looking best player available in this draft, I, you're probably going to be able to take a wing. So you can almost go best wing available and mm-hmm. wing wings have the most value in this league. So taking a lot of like swings at wings in the draft, I, I'm a fan of it. And there's a couple of guys in this draft, um, Tyrese Halliburton, every single time I see a highlight of his, he does something subtle that really jumps out at me as, as special. Um, and then I, I really am a big fan of uh, Sadiq Bey. He's one of the few guys that I've even dug into tape on, but it's only because he is a Villanova wing and that's role player you. Right. And so like if I, if I had a, fr- if I was a front office guy, I would probably be selling my team on guys from Villanova every single year. So I looked at some tape. I think he's going to be good. Um, I don't think he's going to be the best player on a championship team, but you know, I think he could be a good role, a good role player. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see like where the Pistons end up in the lottery, whenever they do the lottery. I don't remember when that is. It'll be like in September or something. Probably. (laughs) Uh, no, no, no. The lottery is in August. Oh, okay. That's sooner. Yay. Um, yeah, it's in August. Let me double check that. Hold on. Let me, let me fact check myself. <laughs> right. Uh, no, because but I think it is. I think it's like August 15th. Um, but like either way, if you yeah, don't get the first or second pick, it really like your options, your decision tree, like gets a lot bigger. 
at that point. Not necessarily even from like a trade up, trade down perspective, but just uh, like trying to figure out who the best player available will be right at four mm-hmm. is a task that like I'm honestly like really glad they have Troy Weaver four because like I don't know who that guy's gonna yeah, be. Yeah, well, this and draft. I mean, seriously, like that guy is super plugged in. He'll know probably right off the top of his head. Uh, August 25th is the draft lottery. Okay. Yeah. That's basically September, but okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh best player available just makes sense when you don't have assets. You're not drafting for need because you're not in a position to do that. To to be able to draft for need, you have to be like the Golden State Warriors a few years ago, where they could say, Hey, you know what? We we still don't really have a center. Let's just draft a bunch of centers. I mean, they might do that this year. <laughs> the Warriors might. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you guys don't have multiple time all stars and Hall of Famers coming back. Definitely. Next definitely. Yeah. yeah. There's no Hall of Famers on the roster. So who do you so you like Bay? You I mean, like, I like Bay because I'm I'm a nerd. Right. And, well, you, you like you like Bay, but you don't like Bay at four. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no, no. no. So I, here's who, what I who here's do what you like at four. Do you follow yeah. Cosmos? Do I do. You follow Brian Schneider. I do Whoever he likes it for is who I like it for. <laughs> right? That guy, like, he has peculiar him. tastes. No, but I I trust him. He and I have similar tastes when it comes to wing defenders uh, and playmaking. So, you know, I, I trust him quite a bit. Um, I'm not even sure who he has it for. I have not. I, I've barely looked at this draft at all. Really? The guys, I, I know I've, I've seen a lot of LaMelo just because I've been watching him since he was in high school. Um, Sadiq Bey. Uh, Pokushevsky, a uh, little bit okay. of Halliburton, uh, and and that's it. I think I've seen some dunk highlights of Obi Toppin. That's it. Yeah, there's there's one guy on the the Detroit Bad Boys board who's like really into Pokushevsky. What's up, Scott? Yeah. And <laughs> you, you got to sell me on it, man. Like I I just don't. Um, you ever have you watched any of his tape? I have watched some of his tape. Yeah, there's. I don't see how a guy at his age, his height, with his skill, doesn't at least become an average NBA starter. I worry a lot about how the skill flashes will translate against athletic competition mm-hmm. that does not look like like they, sophomores in high school. Okay, sounds exactly like people what people were saying about Luka Doncic. No, Luca was the MVP of the Euro League. Like, they were still saying that is what I'm saying. They, they were saying like, exactly what you said. The What's competition level of like the it. second tier Greek division in the Euro League, not the same thing. Hey, listen, that is the, the league that, that birthed Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's true. So I'm not, listen, that league, <laughs> no, come on, man. <laughs> It's like no, I'm I was, not going to argue. I'm not going to argue. Say it. I'm not going to argue for the quality of that league. You know, um, <laughs> you're right. You're right. What is it going to look like when he's against any sort of elite athleticism? I, I my gut says he's going to be fine uh, because skill does usually win out, right? Athleticism's right. great, but skill usually does win out. And he's really skilled. He can shoot it. He can put it on the floor. He's a really great passer, creative passer, good as a backline defender. Would I take him number one? I don't know. Which is the craziest thing in the world when I look at everyone's draft board and they have him like 
you know, I think the highest I've seen him is eight. So I just feel crazy for that. So you're probably right. I mean, don't take him I, at number four. Yeah. <laughs> I, take him at wherever Brian says he should go. Yeah. I wouldn't take him at four, but like if you get down like past Sadiq Bay territory and you're like 17, 18, mm-hmm. like why not? Like in this draft in particular. Yeah. I, I, from what I understand, like 10 would be a smart spot. Yeah. That would get you ahead. I think of like the curve. Right. Yeah. If you really wanted to get him. Yeah. Actually speaking of 10, um, the canard contract stuff, you guys accurately sussed out that waiting it out and like letting it play out and restrict a free agency is the correct play. But a scenario I keep running over in my head is the one that was presented to us at the trade deadline where Luke would be traded for a lottery pick in this year's draft and like some, some dudes to make the salary work. And you have two lottery picks to kind of develop simultaneously. You get two swings, two more bites of the apple. Like that feels very process X esque to me. Like yeah. uh, trading Luke Kennard like three years in feels very much like just, you know, despite the flashes he's shown, despite the fact that he's a really good player, feels like very much like, hey, we're going to trade Michael Carter-Williams for some stuff just because like we don't think this guy helps us win games long term. Right. He, I mean, only I'm not sure if Kennard's going to be good or not. I think by then we kind of knew Michael Carter-Williams had his limitations. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah, what do you think of trading Kennard for like a second lottery pick? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it does save you from having to make the decision on his restricted free agency. Um, this front office didn't have any ties to that pick. They didn't make the pick. I guess if you feel like you could get a player who's better with that pick, then yeah, you do it. Y'all, I mean, makes sense. And well, you restart the clock on another rookie deal. Exactly. And yeah. you align, you get another player who aligns a little bit closer with the rebuilding timeline. Canard's mm-hmm. not old. He's, I think he's like 23. But uh, we kind of already know what he's going to be. And I don't know if that player is like really useful or really valuable. Right. He's useful everywhere, but I don't know how valuable he is to the 2022 Detroit Pistons. Well, so in the Karis LeVert trade, we actually threw that out there that, you know, he'd be extremely valuable for a team like Brooklyn. Yeah, he's on. A, he's still on a rookie deal. They would have his bird rights. So if they wanted to hang on to him, uh, he would fit really nicely next to Kyrie. And, you know, with Kevin Durant out there, he doesn't need that's, the ball. He can just catch and shoot. That's funny. Like, it's funny because, like, he's he's a good catch and shoot player, but, like, you're not running him off, like, flappy, floppy actions and stuff. He's not Joe Harris. Yeah, and they're not doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Those guys true. aren't doing that. But, like, that backcourt would get torched defensively. And that'd be oh, yeah. Yeah, but they're going to score, you know. They're going <laughs> to they're gonna run 41 isolations a, a game, <laughs> and they're going to be playing in the conference finals. It's going to be infuriating. <laughs> uh, I hope for like the fifth straight year, the, they're better when Kyrie's off the floor. And then we get to do that dance again. That'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I don't know. There's like getting out of this draft with like Killian Hayes and like Devin Vassell just like holds a like appeal to me from like a team building perspective mm-hmm. but i don't know, I don't know anything know, about those guys yeah but like i don't i don't know how 
you know, like, I don't know how that's not going to, you're not going to win like 45 games next season with those guys. Like you're still going to be bad. So like, I don't know if that's like, if resetting the clock on Luke Kennard is like the right long-term play and it, you know, it's good to hold all the cards in that situation, which the team does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I agree. They have options. It's just that one of those options is not sign Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> right. As much as I'd like that to be an option. I mean, it just isn't. So you gotta, you gotta play those other cards and uh, hopefully, hopefully they get the guy to do it. it. It would be fun to watch Detroit build up and be good again. It's oh fun. man. The like, how funny, funny would it be if they became like a top five offense? Like that would be, that'd be very uncharacteristic. Right. Of like Break the Detroit the identity. Break the mold. It's Lean been, in on offense. It's funny too. Cause like Troy Weaver has talked a bunch about like building a team that Pistons fans can be proud of. And like mm-hmm. Pistons fans, the ones I talk to anyway, would like on the whole rather win like 86, 82 all the time. And so, but like, I don't know how effective like that would be in today's NBA. Right. Yeah. 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 No. Not at all. <laughs> all right, Dave, what, what should I have asked you? What didn't, what were you surprised that we didn't talk about yet? Um, I think we covered everything unless you wanted to bring up Derek Rose, but. I yeah we can talk uh, about Derrick Rose. I mean, they I'm, should trade him this summer. They they should have traded him in at February. the deadline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. that seemed like a, a culture thing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like he was really comfortable here mm-hmm. and didn't want to leave. And so like, I, I understand not trading him against his will. Yeah, and it's one more year. Who cares? Yeah, and yeah. like I can see and like if you. Like, gotta sell some tickets. Like, Derrick Rose will sell you some tickets. Yeah. And so there, there are reasons to keep Derrick Rose around. But like, if I would, if you're asking me, like, would I rather have like the 25th pick and the 34th pick in this year's draft or Derrick Rose? Like, easily, give me the picks, give me the kids. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. We're on the same page, man. <laughs> it's like it's funny because like as as bad as things are, like for this team. Like that just makes the direction forward like really clear. It's like it's yeah, man, super just clear. Yeah, just get, you get can, some good players. You're, you're in Detroit. No offense, but you know you're not signing anybody. Hmm. Um, it's just like Cleveland and Charlotte, very similar. Only you don't have an awful cap sheet like Cleveland. And Charlotte, like they're Charlotte's they're cap sheet's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Charlotte's oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, for that team. So yeah, better than that. And you know, just as able to sign guys in free agency as both of those teams. Exactly. And so, you know, the path is clear. Let's now you got to enact it. What what I hope they do is lean fun, right? Like you can be bad and there's plenty of bad teams, but you can choose to be bad and fun. Lean into it. Play those does, young guys run up and down do, the court. I was about to say, does fun. Do you think fun is like conducive from a development standpoint? Absolutely. Like, yeah. 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 Just playing okay. the games really helps the development part, right? Like it's, it's about the reps. It's about things slowing down. Um, and you know, there's, you can play an up an up pace style. That's kind of fun to watch and develop at the same time. Yeah. That was, that was one thing I liked about you, what you said, like during, 
your defeat eight piece uh the with the with the guys about the knicks it's like you notice that like mike miller got them into their sets a lot right. quicker and like the, how that proved time. to be useful yeah mm-hmm. yeah well most of it is you know if you don't waste time you've got more time so if you if you were jumping right into stuff and also he simplified things had him running more pick and roll trying to get to the basket you know stuff that that you do with young players typically um and and it was good for them they were trying to get out in transition a little bit more so yeah it was a good thing and i think that that's the way you should lean with young players you want them because you 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 want young players to experience successes too so you're introducing a little bit more variance you know no that's fair that's that's a good point actually yeah, it's yeah. you. You're never going to win with a young team if you're playing, you know, 102 possessions every game. Probably not. Probably I mean, not. more possessions is going to make you worse, but, you, but it, you're, it'll, you're never going to. You're never going to have an opportunity, right? You're yeah, never yeah. going to have an opportunity to like, oh, things are breaking our way. Right. All right, Dave. Like, no, this is a this is a really fun conversation. We're definitely yeah, going to have to do this fun. again. Absolutely, uh, and it was long overdue. For sure. Let the people know where they can find you, where they can find uh, uh, the piece we talked about. Go to The Athletic. Um, it's on the front page of the NBA section. Uh, you know, check out The Athletic NBA show. Just re- revamped, relaunched. Very excited about that. Uh, Nerdish She Wrote on Fridays. What's your uh, Twitter handle? Oh, dad, people still do that? Oh, sorry. Uh, Dave Dufour NBA. So you All know right. that I don't really tweet about basketball <laughs> that's yeah that's that's pretty mostly true, true. actually yeah. <laughs> uh, of course i'm lazarus jackson you can find me on twitter at last chance that's at l-a-z-c-h-a-n-c-e uh you can follow this podcast at pistons versus everybody on twitter um this has been the pistons versus everybody podcast and you know the schedule's weird no basketball games are being played for the detroit pistons we'll figure something out and talk to you guys later Bye bye